Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat, uh, Ireland's film and TV industry podcast with myself, Paul Butler Lennox. Hope we're all doing well out there. Uh, do us a favor and stay out of the pubs. That'd be great so that we can all get back to work properly. Um, hope everybody's doing all right and they're staying safe and, you know, uh, behaving respectably. Uh, we'd all appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, the time's really kind of clattered and forward in terms of the podcast over the last we're you know nearly approaching three years now we're um really appreciative of everybody who's supported us on any level whether it be financially uh from a, a, a patreon-esque environment with buymeacoffee.com if you'd like to continue to do that head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash fni we'd really appreciate that and that kind of covers uh, kind of minor expenses in terms of overheads that we have um, so yeah, we really appreciate that. In other FNI related news, we have a uh, an event coming up on the 29th of July. It's another FNI at home event uh, with uh, Lisa and Glenn, uh, who directed uh, Ordinary Love with uh, Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville re recently. And of course, Good Vibrations, a really popular film uh, from a couple of years ago. So, yeah, if you head on over to www.wearefni.com, uh, all the information on the evening. Uh, we're also joined by Colin McKeown, who's a BAFTA award-winning uh, screenwriting coach who works with us quite regularly. So he'll be giving some tips in terms of uh, package preparation and everything that you need to know in terms of do's and don'ts uh, and the importance of script, uh, you know, script doctoring. And, and uh, you know, no one writes a script alone, basically. And he'll give some interesting tips and tricks how to apply those best practices to, you know, get your submission, uh, I suppose, funding ready. So he'll be giving a little chat and then Glenn and Lisa afterwards. And then there will be networking then afterwards, online networking uh, from uh, nine o'clock for half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, we'd encourage people to kind of hang around for the networking afterwards. And uh, the evening, as always, with F&I at home over the last couple of weeks, couple of months rather, <laughs> I wish it was only a couple of weeks, um, is to raise funds for Bumbulance, the children's ambulance service. And if you're familiar with them at all, they do incredible work uh, with children who are, in some cases, terminally ill. And um, they, it's just, they're exceptional uh, in what they do, uh, making some people, uh, you know, children in particular, who are in a very bad position feel very, very, very special. So every penny counts. So if you could help out, that's great. Uh, again, www.wearefni.com for more information about that. Yeah, we're lucky to uh, we're joined today by Stephen Shields, who's uh, who's uh, on the press tour at the minute. <laughs> I'm glad you could fit fit us in uh, between uh, Midlands FM and who else are we on uh, today FM and Classic Four FM. I think I'm on a Saturday. It was a pre-record, so I know it's on Saturday. I Lovely. think. Yeah. How's it going? I'm good, man. Yeah, it's been really nice to come on to the podcast. Been listening to it for a long time. Um, yeah, it's just been crazy. Obviously, the IFTA nominations are out at this time, so we're just kind of overwhelmed with the response we've got yeah congratulations um Stephen, if you don't know is 
uh, co-screenwriter of uh, The Hole in the Ground. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on Netflix. There, it is on it? Netflix, yeah. Uh, and it's brilliant. It's a really, you know, a really good example of brave Irish filmmaking, especially genre Irish filmmaking. So well done. And obviously Lee was on the podcast previously. So if you check uh, back in, you can have a listen back to kind of before he was super famous. Before he was Hollywood. <laughs> before he was off uh, making big books in the, in the <laughs> Americas. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what, what have you been up to? Over the last couple of months, uh, I suppose as as everyone's in the same boat. Like um, obviously, no films are being made in Ireland, especially at the moment, or I don't think anywhere in the world. So at the moment, we've just been developing a few projects. Uh, myself and Lee have another one on the go at the moment that we're hoping to make sometime when this is all over. So we're just in. Uh, actually, at the, in this morning, we were just talking about the screenplay. Um, so working on that, tipping away at it. And just doing projects here and there and trying to get some stuff in development. Like now, I think now is a really good time to be writing if you are a writer because, you know, nothing's being made. And well, I guess all that money, the funding, from a funding perspective, is being saved up as well, you know, so there's lots of opportunities out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, it is like, it's a really interesting time with just the way things are, you know, you're hearing so many different stories in the industry about what's the protocol is going to be when we go back into production and, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen. And it's all kind of a bit up in the air, but the things I've been hearing kind of a little, not crazy, they're not overly crazy, but there's obviously been th- like a few things like, I don't think writers will be allowed on sets of films for a long time. Anyway, let's put it that way. Well, we don't want you there. No, that's, that's <laughs> been true. That's been true. I remember actually the first day, uh, was it the first day of the hole in the ground? And I turned up the set. Actually, no, it was the second day of the hole in the ground and I turned up the set at a bit late. And uh, one of the ads, I'll never forget it because it made me laugh. They just go, obviously goes through the mics, and everyone's like, right around set. And I was like, oh, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I'm not too sure. Which they caught, I... like like the ad. Calls yeah, I think it was the third ad called, uh, and and Dara our first ad on on the film, and was like, there's a right the writers on set. I was like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I'm not sure. But... What's that mean? Behave. No, no, no. Maybe like just. Put me in a room somewhere and don't have to say, say all anything. the words on the script. Yeah, say I say everything now. Well, it's kind of hard when your co-writer is a director because he kind of was very like you know he'd be like yeah you know just just say the script so yeah yeah. Um, I might just from a you know screenwriting point of view kind of ask you how that relationship works if you're co-writing something. How do you write? Um, do is, do is the inception of the idea by both of you, or is it something Lee has and he comes to you with it, and then do you flesh it out and do separate drafts, or how's that work? Well, I'll just use the example of the hole in the ground, considering that's the film like is made. But we are working on another one, and we kind of st- it's really weird. Like me and Lee would always say, we never we don't know how it works, but it works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when Lee had the hole in the ground in development with the what was the Irish Film Board, which is now Screen Ireland, he had a fully functioning script. And he said to me one day, uh, would, would you read it? And I said, yeah, of course. And at that point, we had together developed a pilot for a TV series that went all the way to the Channel 4 screenwriting competition. And we got down to the interview stage in Channel 4. So we flew to London, met with Channel 4 and had a good feeling about it. Obviously, that never went any further. But I think due to that kind of nature of working here, he goes like, look, I have the screenplay. I don't know what really to do with it. Would you try your eye on it and give me a few? I think it was notes he just kind of re- primarily wanted. I said, yeah. Uh, I read it. I really liked it. I liked the kind of core story of it. Uh, it was more kind of an action movie than it was what it became. It was what we kind of turned into was more of a kind of psychological thriller, psychological horror movie. Um, but uh, he eventually convinced his producer to hire me. Uh, <laughs> I have a mate who writes. Well, he kind of, I, I, I distinctly remember him saying it to us. We were at the Galway Film Fly and he said to his producer, what do you think of Stephen coming aboard and writing? And it was kind of a weird feeling in the air it's like who's this guy like coming from sketch comedy and doing tv bits and stuff like that mm. but um yeah we just got into it and you know for a good good while like we were it was just sitting in these apartment coming up with ideas and 
the way we kind of work is, you know, it's quite simple. We'll pitch ideas for a while, kind of have like a melting pot of ideas and then sit down and we'll write a version of the script or an outline if necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we just kind of get into it and kind of question everything, you know, see what's the right, uh, you know, what's the right way about going with a story or, you know, like... Is, there, is, there, is it all post-it notes and writer's room stuff kind of um we do use cards we do use yeah. cards but then they kind of go with the way boy after that's just kind of really to get the plot and the story down yeah. and then we get into the screenplay and there's some moments where we go listen we, we should get the, there's a famous line Lee use where we go let's get the cards back out when we look at the cards and we've deviated from certain parts and it's good for like bits we forgot about yeah. but uh yeah it's a really it's, it's hard to explain it really is hard to explain it just works yeah you know it just really works uh and you're around that, you always got to remember he's a director and he has to go out and direct this stuff. So there's like that famous phrase that Harrison Ford said in, uh, I think it's Star Wars. He goes, George, you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. <laughs> so there's always that kind of interest. But like, you know, Lee's very good. He's very, vi- oh, he's very visual. I'm very focused on, you know, just making sure the story works and the dialogue seems okay. And, we'll, you know, we'll have fights. We'll be fights, but... You know, on the other hand, we laugh a lot about a lot of stuff. Well, he'll win. Uh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> no, not necessarily. Like we're like we're redrafting the script at the moment that we a couple of months ago were like this is pretty solid, and given time away from it, we've come up with like five or six different ideas that'll just make the story better. And there's moments where like oh that that's what was missing, or you know that there's too much of certain things going on. There's too much. I call it chudder, where there's like characters just talking for no reason. Filler. Just filler, and we're like, uh, you know, we can never be. Uh, said that we're guilty of you know not trying to make things as tight and condensed as we can which can sometimes be detrimental when you're making a film especially the hole in the ground i think the script was very like the script was i'd say 90 pages when we like finished the final draft of it uh and the film's not it's not that far deviated from it either there's a few bits here and there but nothing major so yeah being economic in that regard just making sure that everything on the page gets in kind of thing exactly yeah which you know again which could be detrimental to an editor because they're like where's the stuff that i can kind of <laughs> use and like there is no stuff like that's one thing about lee when he goes into a film as a director he knows what he wants yeah. you know what i mean he knows and you could ask sean or james or any of the other actors simone any of the actors like he's he he will give you room to breathe and improv if you need to be but he knows exactly what he wants in the scene he knows exactly how he wants it to look yeah. and he will fight tooth and nail to get that vision on the screen so i can never say he ne- never does that like yeah, yeah. It, i from the film i've noticed that there's like i said there's a great economy to it in a really good way i mean everything is in there for a reason and it's mm. building tension and it's part of a device in order to make an audience yeah. feel a certain way and that's a massive skill. I think it's a massive skill in any in, in, in any film. And there's nothing worse than I hate when I'm watching a film where I watch a scene and go, what was that scene actually about? Yeah. Like, it's it's great and you can have dialogue and actors are talking real cool. And it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. When you break it down, you're like, what exactly is the scene doing? And it can be kind of a really, like, some people like that, some people don't. Um, I personally am not a fan of it. I think every scene has to have a purpose. Or there's no point doing it. Like if you're just feeding your own ego, then it's you're... It's hyperbole, isn't it? Like, yeah, I just, I don't get it. And like... Look, I love a cool scene as much as the next one, but if you're just doing a scene for this because it's cool, then it's I don't think it's functioning as a story device, so I just get rid of it. Yeah. Um, I might go back a little bit to kind of, I suppose, the foundation of your uh, your writing or how that kind of happened <laughs> for you. Let's take you with you. Like, Let's take you back, yeah. Let's take you way back. Um, was there a conscious 
decision to become a writer in your life, or did that just? It's yeah, that's a good question. Like, it, like I went to film school in Bally Pharma for three years from two thousand four two thousand seven with the idea of like I'm gonna be director extraordinary. I'm gonna be the next, you know, Lee Cronin. Ah, he wish. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I kind of just I wanted to be a director, and when I actually got to film school, I never I liked writing. I I, I remember my first year in, in film school, I was like, I wrote and directed a. A film, and I didn't have a really good experience. And I enjoyed the writing process because that's where the fun was. But when I got onto set, and there was other elements and stuff like that, but I just didn't enjoy the directing process of it. Uh, and then I actually trained to be a DP, oh, and I really enjoyed that because we when when I was in Bally Firm at the time, they actually had fully functional film cameras like sixteen millimeters, Aries, uh, Bolexes that I don't think had been seen since World War Two. Um, and I really enjoyed that, and I loved uh, working with light, and I thought it was really fun. But again coming out of college, I was like, I don't really want to be on film sets being a clapper. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Everyone has to pay their dues and work their way up. And I know tons of cinematographers, especially in Ireland, who started like that and have come on to be amazing cinematographers. But I was like, nah, I kind of don't really want to be that. And then what happened was actually, which is funny, I ended up getting sick for two weeks in Tala Hospital. And I had just bought a book called The Definitive Guide to Screenwriting by Sid Field. And I said, well, Here's two weeks where I'm on my back, uh, hooked up to IV line. So I, I, I read it. I was like, oh, this, I, I think I could do this. And then while I was traveling around America with a friend of mine, um, I wrote a really bad screenplay <laughs> called Dead Men Don't Smile. I'll always remember it because I go, oh, that's such a cool, such a cool title. But the story made no sense. But then it kind of just ignited the kind of passion I enjoyed of just actually sitting down on a laptop and bashing it out bashing it and working on it. i was like oh this is fun like this i can enjoy this you know it's not working on film sets full time but it was it was fun i got to create characters create stories and yeah it was that's kind of how the the writing career kind of kicked off yeah and then i'd imagine there was a certain amount of earning your stripes <laughs> yeah i suppose i'm kind of lucky like uh, i was writing for three years and getting nowhere right and I was just writing screenplays. And then what happened was, uh, I think the Directors Guild here in Ireland, the Writers Guild here in Ireland, had a speed dating event, oh, okay. which was like, you sat, a writer sat with directors and you talk about ideas you're having. A lot of directors didn't want to be there. They didn't care what we, many had to offer. And like most screenwriters, some of them probably had mad wild ideas. But I ended up meeting a director called Conor McMahon, who had directed a film called uh, Dead Meat. Yeah. And he was, he was quite young when he did that. And we just ended up forming a friendship. And through that, uh, we came up with an idea for uh, what was going to be a film ended up becoming a six-part web web series for RT called Zombie Bashers for Storyland. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. We were I was in another show that was up against you. Oh, which one were you in? What was it? The first year or the second year? Right? Oh, we were in the second year. Oh no, we were in the first year. So. But I do remember the show. Yeah. Which one were you in the first year? Because uh, I remember them oh, all. the video shop one. The one. That, oh, yeah, Rental yeah. Boys. Yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was. Yeah, it was a really clever idea, and your lead was the most incredible Healy Ray character before. Yeah. He he was kind of funny. I, uh, Owen, who played him, he he was in Owen. He was in college with Connor and like other directors like Kieran Foy, who's gone on to do like horror films in America and is like really successful. Well, Kieran won't say successful. I think he's successful. But uh, he he, I remember him coming in to do the first scene. I'm like, this is just amazing. He was just I, Owen. Like when you meet him, who played that character, the nicest, quietest man ever gets in the character and just goes on a tirade for an hour. So yeah, I remember he's thinking like, if this is utilized properly, this could be. You know, yeah, one of them shows, you know, that yeah, but um, he was cool, owns cool. I haven't seen him now in a couple of years, like, but he's he's like a photographer in his own right. He's not a trained actor or anything with like that. All oh, right, okay. 
So, yeah, and obviously that, I suppose, opened some sort of a portal somewhere else, did it? Yeah. RTE, maybe. Well, what happened was um, the producer of the, there was a show that was just taken at the time called The Republic of Telly. And that was, I think it was in the second season. And the producer of the show, James Carr, he had seen Zombie Bashers Online and actually hired Connor to direct a few sketches and stuff like uh, and write a few sketches and they were kind of starved for writers at the time they didn't really have writers they just kind of did everything themselves like directors slash producers or whatever title they wanted to give themselves and connor just suggested like hey steven works on zombie bastards he's quite funny why don't you give him a trial run and so we were brought in for this kind of fight club like writers meeting in rte <laughs> which was really interesting i still remember to my day because uh, the other person it was uh Myself and a few other writers and James, who was the executive producer of the show, and Peter Foote, who went on to do The Young Offenders. Mm. He was the other producer in the room and he they just gave us this wild uh, like kind of log line of what they wanted this sketch to be. And it was like three characters in the show, one of them loses a chocolate bar. And I went, I can't even, how do you make this kind of funny? And I just wrote this outlandish sketch <laughs> and sent it in. And I got a call back and they were like, yeah, we want to bring you on for a season. And then I was there, that was the start of 2011. Then I became the longest serving writer on the show until it was axed by RT in 2016. It really became kind of like, you know, know, excuse the comparison, but like a a breeding ground in an SNL way for a lot of people who went on to do a lot of work, like, you know, comics and actors and and writers and stuff. I think people kind of laugh at that comparison. I've said it in a few things that like, I said it kind of was like SNL, like it did have great actors and comedy. Like I always think like the people came out of there like, Peter Foote, you know, he he basically was the person who said that gives him a chance. He went on to do the Young Offenders, countless TV. I think it's down to third TV series or yeah, third series of it now. You know, Damon and Ivor came in there. The Rubber Bandits were there when I was. The Hardy Book guys were there. There was just a conglomerate of really funny people and a lot of funny people behind the scenes. Um, and there's other comedians that came and went, and then you had Dermot Whelan who was hosting it. We it was it it did really reach a peak at one point where there's some of the sketches even now are still you know. Pulling in huge numbers. Yeah, there's this weird thing with sketches I find that like other websites I don't know. There's I know I remember seeing someone like they ripped them or something like that and they played them on like some websites or Facebook pages like oh the Irish Facebook page and it's there and the next thing you know you have, like thirty five thousand more views on the sketch like it's I think we were kind of looking in a way as well that the internet and YouTube was kind of starting off then and it started to boom so yeah it was uh it was a great show to work on it was a real show it was hard but it was good i'd say the discipline of being you know stuff thrown at you in the writer's room during the week and you know just the i suppose the discipline being able to write on on spec like that yeah it's helpful it's so helpful like i used to write a sketch i used to write three versions of the same sketch in one day like that's a turnover you'd you get up and like I used to work from home a lot because obviously the office in RT couldn't contain most of the people who worked there, which was fine by me. <laughs> um, but like you write a sketch in the morning at ten o'clock, send it off by twelve. You get notes back by half twelve. You send it back by half two. You get more notes about half three. Then it'd have to be in by six o'clock because they were going to shoot it then the next day. So they needed to go through the, what was needed for. It. So I remember times like just it was the, it's a great discipline for learning because I have this theory. There's a Paul Abbott who wrote Seamus and he wrote he countless TV series. I remember a quote he said years ago, and I think I watched. He goes, "There's no such thing as writing. There's always just rewriting." And he's right. You can write something, and it's great. And everyone goes, "Their first draft is wonderful," but you're just looking at first draft, going, "That's going to get changed so much that it's it's kind of like kneading bread. Like it's just over and over and over again." And it was a great discipline, and it kind of taught me how to write fast, which was amazing. Like 
Uh, I, I, like, I always set with a goal. If I can, I write about 10 pages a day, which other writers go, that's just insane. Like, I can get about three. And I go, well, if you do it fast, you have more time to go back over because you're going to have to go back over anyway. So, yeah. Well, like a write, another writer I know said, it's like, you know, your first, you have to break up with the idea that you fell in love yeah. with of the first draft. Yeah. And then you'll see if the, re- the relationship is salvageable after that. Yeah. And if and if it is, then you're you, you know you're onto something. I think it's that idea is um, as well as like you're inviting people in to, like you know basically rip your jigsaw up and put it in the version they want. Like that's the way it is. Like you'll get producers, notes, you get development executive, notes, you get the director comes aboard. He wants what he wants in it. So it is a really, you know, I've never. I think it's very rare that like a first draft of a screenplay ever makes it to the screen. Um. And for just cause, like everyone wants, you know, to do the best job and you just, you know, you have to kill your darlings or try to sometimes throw the baby out with bad water. But it's like, it's a, it's a very, in terms of it, like a job, it's a very nice, like, again, you have people coming in. It's, it's, it's a mel- it's a melting pot of ideas, which is great. Like, yeah, yeah. And if you want to write something, you don't want anyone to touch it, write books. But then editors get their hands on that as well. So you're kind of. You can't win either way. Yeah. How do you respond to notes? Um, do you like do you look, t- look the notes and go well I'm not going to respond in any capacity now and I'll leave for a while or? no I'll read them I'll read the notes and I'll let them settle for a while but like you know notes are notes are like opinions and opinions are like assholes everyone has one and most of them are full of shit <laughs> I don't know if you can broadcast that <laughs> Actually, no no curse away people but, have said worse but like there is sometimes you get a note and you go that's that's amazing why like again you're so close to something and you're so immersed in it that you probably sometimes can see the wood from the trees so mm. When you get a note, when you go, that's a like I, I'm like you know I've got notes and I'm gone. That's ridiculous. Like some people have said most ridiculous things to me, and I don't think there's a writer or director or producer in Ireland, let alone the world, who hasn't got a note off someone and you go, no, that's it. That's a, that's that's. That's a, actually bollocks. That's actually uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like on that's. Is there a bit, is there a bit of um kind of like you know especially with development execs and you know when you're dealing with several different parties who are involved in it or have skin in that game mm. in some capacity, just. You know, are they coming out with shite just to have it said to justify position sometimes? Is there a bit of that going on? Well, I think there's a bit of that in everything in life. I think people like who are, you know, but we, I have to say, I'm not like, again, the development, development execs I've ever worked with, I've enjoyed working with them because, you know, they'll go, in fairness, some of them, you know, I have this idea, what do you think? And you go, no, it wouldn't work. They'll go, okay, grand. Yeah. Sometimes like they're, if they're really kind of, you know, nailing it on and hard and don't want to let go. Okay, that's fair enough, but that's your opinion. And there's, you know, we, you know, at the end of the day, we have to go and make the film. Yeah, you don't have to take it on. You don't have to take it on. But sometimes you just get really, really good ones. I'm like, I remember being in a, a, a meeting development before and someone says something goes, yeah, Jesus, why didn't we never think of that? Like, and it made the film a little bit better. So, look, it's, you know, it's, it's all about taste and different tastemakers and you're a tastemaker as a filmmaker and as a writer. So, Everyone just wants to get their oar into the, or, you know, or their spoon into the soup, which is, yeah, it's fine. Like, they're, you know, but as long as the film turns out well, yeah, that's the kind of goal. How important, like, do you have, or would you have had, or were you each other's script editors? Or did you have a script editor as well? For, for um, We had a script editor for the one we're working on now, and they've been really good. I actually can't remember if we had a script editor, sorry, a script editor on Hole on the Ground. Um, but we are each other's script editor. Like, mm. There's points where I'd be writing a scene and he goes, no, the character wouldn't say that. And then there'd be another point where he'd have something down and I go, no, that doesn't make sense. And we're just, you know, but I suppose that's when you're working together in a kind of, you know, collaboration like me and Lee do. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. But then we go off and do our own things separately. And that's interesting too, because, you know, 
you're going from two different disciplines. You're going from a sounding. It's great to have a sounding board. I, I have to say, like, I've worked with a few directors and you know, shared offices with a few other directors, and it's 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 different to each person. Uh, you know, I'm like I write screenplays on my own, and I give them to directors who don't write, and they'll give their versions of it. And you know, it's just it's a weird thing. Yeah, there's no magic formula either way. There's no such thing as a magic formula for it. It just it just works. Yeah, yeah. It works when it works, and it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. And I suppose you know writers can be expendable too, which is always the thing. Oh yeah, that's great. Thanks for. That. I'm gonna get this other guy to come in, and he's gonna rewrite it. And it's very rare it happens here. But you hear horror stories abroad from like Americans or like where people do a draft and they go, "That's great, thanks, boy." Fuck off now. Yeah, yeah like the, that Kevin Smith famous one, you know, with the oh the Superman Returns, yeah, yeah, yeah that, where he he like got the film to a certain point, Tim Burton came on board, and then they fired him. Yeah, he just went, like look, that's that's like, you, should, you could do that in the building trade. You could build an extension for someone's house, and they go, "That's great, but we're gonna take it back down and then build it all up again in the vision we want to have it." Yeah. It's the nature of the beast, but uh, I suppose you kind of have to be. You know, at the end of the day, just people paying you money to do things and they sometimes want it the way they want it and that's that. How is there, I mean, is it a different type of discipline or a different way of working if, you know, someone in, like hires you as a gun for hire in some capacity? Like, do you write differently if you're writing something that is not, which is not coming from the genesis of your idea? Is it is it a different way of working? Do you do you can you still do that? No, um, like I'd never, I'd never, I'd never actually sign on to something. There's been a few times where I just like I took a job because I needed the money, and that's just that's like any walk of life. You're like, yeah, grand, I'll just do it. But if someone hires me and has an idea, and they're like, what do you think? And I come back, and, and a collaboration starts. And I'm like, on this is the story I want to tell in that version, and they kind of go, yeah, that's the story I want to tell. Then it's not as difficult. If it does ever become the point where you're like, going, that's not the story I want to tell. But then there's no point in me being here because I'm not bringing anything. I won't enjoy the process. I won't enjoy writing the script. So there's no point in me being there. And there's nothing worse than a writer who doesn't want to be on a job <laughs> because either the people they're working with don't have the same vision you do or you're just uh, paint by numbers. And they're like, I want this scene and I want this thing. This and going, well, like, you could hire anyone to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're hiring writers for a specific job you know what i mean um i'm kind of lucky in that way as well that i've like obviously holding around a horror film but my background's in comedy so i kind of have two wheelhouses i can kind of jump into uh but any jobs that i've taken like i'm developing a few things at the moment like so, so, some stuff that's mine and i've like i've recently agreed to, to do a project that was uh it wasn't my idea but it was someone else's kernel but upon it was a director and upon talking to the director about Oh, what do you think of this? He was enthusiastic because that's the film he wanted to make. But he that's just, what you're looking for, isn't it? Is yeah. that collaboration? That, yeah, that spark. That spark. No, like I could write a version of the screenplay, and he goes, "Nah, doesn't work for me." But I go, well, "At least I gave my version of what I wanted to do, and this is the story I think you should do." But I, I also respect at the end of the day that other people have to go out and make this stuff, and it's their name on it as well. Um, you know, not, not many writers go to writers' jail. A lot of directors can go to directors' jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, there's well, not that there's more, not that any job is more important than the other, but there is, I suppose, directors have less chances of yeah. recovery if things don't go well. Yeah, right? exactly. Um. So yeah. Um. <laughs> have you? Have you as a as a writer? Have you found? Have you had a really difficult experience that has affected you? in any way uh, any uncomfortable way <laughs> where you're like okay well i'm not gonna i'm not asking you to name it no 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 but what what is the i suppose what is the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome so far 
I was trying to think, like, I've had a few jobs I've been on where I just went, I actually could just walk away from this now and not be bothered. But it depends on who you're working, again, who you're working with and the respect that they give you. Yeah. I've had a few jobs where I wrote a screenplay and the person who was either a producer or a director, they were just like, no, 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 I want this, 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 is this. And I was like, no, listen to me, this is why it, there's nothing worse than trying to argue with something who can't see the benefit of an argument, like the argument, like, oh, that doesn't work because this, this, and this. Oh, it will work. Like, it will work is not the answer. You know no, what I mean? It that's, has to work. You have to show me that it works. Yeah, exactly. It's like that phrase, I'll fix it in post. That's just putting glue on something that you know is going to fall apart eventually. Um, no, I think, like, you know, it's weird. I've, I've worked on shows where, I remember there's this, I'm not going to say which show it was, but I remember working on a show and we used to have to go to weekly meetings and my enthusiasm lapped because you'd go to this meeting with six, seven writers from different disciplines, not like just sketch comedy writers, which I kind of came from. And they'd end up just talking about stuff that was nothing to do with what we were there to do in this having tea and moaning and bitching about like anything and everything that wasn't the job you were sitting there doing. And to be honest, like that's... Not, not, like there was nothing constructive happening. Just Nothing constructive happening. Uh, you know, it was nothing... There was no, there was no comedy in it. I was like, oh, like, don't come to a comedy show to talk about, you know, who's sleeping with who. And all that. I don't care. Like, that's, that's not my job. My can job, we work? Please. Can we work? And then what, what ended up happening is I'd end up just pitching stuff in the hope, like, oh, this is what they want, but not what I'd enjoy writing. Yeah. And then like, I'd get nothing on the show. And... I eventually, it's the only job I've actually ever been fired from, mm. which I was delighted to be fired from. Yeah, well, you, because you, I made more money getting fired <laughs> than I did working on the show. But your instincts, yeah, paid I just off. your instinct paid off. My instinct, I said, do you know what it was? I can't abide by people who think they're funny but they're not, yeah. and there's too much of that. Yeah, yeah. I just like, and fair enough. Like, go out and try be funny, but if you're not, you're 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 not funny. Is funny. Yeah, I did like I did stand up once and bombed terribly, <laughs> and I literally went going back into the office in RT going, "I'm never doing that again." I can write funny. Yeah, I can't. I'm not a performer. Uh, yeah, isn't life about I suppose kind of figuring out what you can't do and then you know the things you can do well, trying to yeah. maximize that potential. Um, my rule of thumb is like try it. If you're not good enough, fair enough. But like, don't stop. If, like, like I remember Ricky Gervais said, like when he did stand up first, it was he was awful, but he kept doing it because he knew eventually he could do it. But, like, try it. Don't be afraid to do stuff. I always have, my rule of thumb was, especially, for like, for writing, the worst thing anyone ever says is no. And at least you got to know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting job. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you do, I know I'm sure, you know, it's in this kind of game of snakes and ladders that we're in, um, how does rejection affect you? Or does it, or do you have ways of dealing with it? You practice mindfulness, things like that, because you know writers' space is quite insular. Mm. You know, so that kind of echo chamber and that negative, ne- negative light kind of seeping in can. How do you deal with that when that happens? I'm sure you're at a pe- at a stage now where you're pitching kind of semi regularly on bigger stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a really interesting one. I'm not gonna like. Yeah, I like I've never I never really took like people saying no to me to heart. Or like reading my work and going, oh, this isn't for us. And you get a lot of that in this job. Like, you know, this isn't for us. That's the usual thing. Like, I, I've never, I've always just had this thing where it's just like, have drive, have ambition, you know, and just get on with it. I remember talking to a blind boy from the Rubber Bandits before. And we were talking about, like, you know, 
how he kind of like couldn't get stuff made for ages and then they made making stuff themselves and it took off. He was like, rejection's just a part of life. It's not, you know, and you do when sometimes you, you take it to heart. Like I pitched on a, on a film there and I won it and I was developing it for a while and then they decided they didn't want to do that version of the film and then the, not just that I was fired from the job because I wasn't. The whole project collapsed. Yeah, yeah. And there was other out, uh, you know, there was other outside sources and outside situations going on that were beyond my control. But it really kind of like for a moment I just went, ah, oh, that's a bit of a mad one because that would have been really good. But then I just go, well, look, something else will come along and I'll, I'll work on that. Um, it's just having the drive to keep going. Like yeah. if you take everything to heart, you'll never really get further because it's just it's going to be constant. Um. Do you have any kind of words of wisdom you'd give to yourself kind of starting out? Um, what would you say to kind of like... Right, what? better. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not really. I kind of... I know it's going to sound a bit sappy, but I kind of think you need them life experiences. And like, I think you need to have them... You know, you need to know how to... It's like something of Batman. You need to know how to fail before you can actually succeed because you know what's on the other end. Uh, I suppose the advice I give myself would be like just probably do more stuff in life rather than away from like I, I love watching movies I, I watch like people go mad because like I watch a film a night you know what I mean people go how, how do you have the time and go like you make the time and you know I have a baby and you know all that stuff going on but you know yeah just do more because if you can't write about something that you haven't really experienced how can you really write about it now like there's other stuff you can research and stuff like that but like you know, you might be sitting at home and you might, you know, you might go traveling to Australia and you see the like this giant spider come at you and you feel this fear. And then you're like, you're writing a story about a giant spider. And you're like, I remember that fear of seeing that thing because that yeah. translates onto the page. You know it's what authentic I mean? then. Yeah. It's authentic. Yeah. And there's always that lovely thing where someone goes, that would never happen. And you just go, well, that happened to me. It's like you can't, you can't pay for a response <laughs> like that. Do you find being, has, has being a father influenced your writing or your work in any way? Yeah, I'm working on a project at the moment that is, you know, thematically what it's about. It's the fear of being, it's actually, it's not the fear of being a parent. It's the fear of being a bad parent. And my my kid's only six months old now. So we had him after the whole hole in the ground sort of, um, all the stuff. Uh, and I think I kind of understand kids a little bit. I can understand parents a little bit better, not kids. But I understand the fears and, and stuff a little, a little bit better. And it kind of makes you a bit more... Like I said, this project I'm working on, it's just like, yeah, I understand why this person is doing that thing because of their kid, because yeah. they're part of you and you don't want them to die. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Ideally. Ideally. Like, that's the, like, you know, yeah, you kind of just, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I, from my own experience, I just feel as if it kind of solidifies a lot of the decision-making process. Yeah. In your life, you're like. Of course, I yeah. Do, I, I do it for creative reasoning. But now I do it for them as well. Yeah. And I do it to make them proud of me in the f in the future. But I do it also to earn money for them. Yeah. So it it, it kind of you know the 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 ring the 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 ring has tight and tightened or the circle has tightened mm. a little bit more. So it, it's you know maybe made things for me. I do more because I for a couple yeah. of different reasons now. You know. I'm sure like when you're doing acting and stuff like that, like you can tap into like a bit more. Like you know if it's a character who's like you know. It, something has happened to their kid or an accident like they can tap into more of that like yeah. i think it can be very difficult if you don't have that kind of empathetic emotional response to something you don't really understand sometimes yeah, yeah. look you can fake it that's the whole point of, of acting but i think there's a little bit of authenticity in it if you can actually you know create that with knowing if it comes like like what you said about authenticity if it comes from a place of truth you know it will what could be just a bland moment that'll pass in a couple of seconds could be yeah could open different worlds to people 
you know, or to you, or make it more emotionally, uh, it would radiate more. Yes, you know? I agree. And I would imagine the same thing go for a line or a scenario or yeah. a sequence or whatever, if it comes from a place of, like you said, emotional truth. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I love, in particular, asking writers this question. What was the first film that you remember seeing? <laughs> when I, I actually know it because it was funny because uh, at the moment with, with the um, way the coronavirus is going on there's a I'm doing a writer's quiz so there's a few writers from Ireland that do a quiz every Thursday night we're actually slowing it down because things are starting to get a bit mm. back to normal but we had this someone asked this question recently and I, I was like I do remember the first film I ever watched which it was a a film called The Land of Time Forgot <laughs> and it was really bad claymation stuff uh, but the the film that I remember the most from my child that was like, oh, that's really cool. As I remember when I was really young, my mom was watching uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Sorry, yeah. I was gonna say Big Trouble in Little Tokyo, but that's not. That's John Carpenter switching off now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So Big Trouble in Little China. I remember watching years ago, and I was like, this is awesome. Like this, and I still. It's funny. I still. I still watch it. Has it a weird twice kind of every mystique, year. Weird, weird it's energy. That film. Just so eighties, and eighties was like such a like. If you ever watch that film, I've always said to people, watch that film. Kurt Russell is not the hero in this movie it's the other character can't think of the name the actor who plays him but it's his it's his uh, girlfriend that goes missing Kurt Russell's just tagging along because he wants a truck he's, yeah 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 but he's such a great character because he's actually flawed he's just like yeah I'm just doing this for my truck and he's he's not brave at all he's kind of like a an anti-hero he is yeah. an anti-hero yeah he's, it's, it's such an amazing film yeah um, yeah so what's what can you tell us about what you're working on next or can you tell us uh, a few things I can say what I can say is that me and me are working on another film at the moment and we're we've gone through a few versions of the script which is it's been you know it's been challenging because of the the story of the script and uh, but yeah we're still we're hammering away at that um, just literally before I came here I was just finishing off a few scenes and uh, I was gonna say you're very pale. You look like you've been out there. In a couple yeah, of I just yeah. You know, to be honest, with you, I have spent most of my I spent most of the lockdown writing, which has been great, but it's also been intense. So I try to get out as much as possible. Yes, yeah, so we're working on that, and I have another project on the go that I can't say anything about, but okay. it's going to be exciting when I can say something. Um, uh, it's a film I pitched that people got really excited about. So hopefully, that gets seen. So where, where do you kind of see? Like, obviously, you're writing features now, but. Do you see some? You want to? Is there different ways you want to work or explore? Oh yeah, to? like I'd love to do long form television. I think that's not that. Obviously, that's where the money is. It's not really, but I think we're in a golden age. Not of TV. I wouldn't say it's TV. It's a golden age of programming. So like you have Netflix and Amazon and all that stuff going on. But I just think the idea of having that room to maneuver and develop character a bit more like a writer's paradise yeah it is a writer's paradise like I'd love to work in a writer I still would love to work in we don't have many of them here in Ireland but I'd love to work in a writer's room I'd actually love to run a writer's room because I think we have an amazing amazing group of writers in this country Mm -hmm. and I think if you got them all together and you know started beating out ideas you'd get a really good series or you know it kind of offshoots again it's like it was kind of like working on public intelligence that was the only first writer's room I ever worked in but the getting a lot of creators in a room to try out ideas is is so fun it's like it really is so fun you never know where things are going to end up as well do you think we're bad at that because writers I found can be a little bit guarded um you know yeah the the idea of collaborate it's like you know that kind of like well if you're if you're a writer if you're a writer and you're not you're afraid of collaborating then you're in the wrong business because if you have a script and you're not a director and the director goes I want to make that and you're going this is great and you think hand over the script they're going to make it verbatim Mm. 
you're in the wrong job because that's not what's going to happen. They're going to, again, they're going to throw spice and sugar and all, everything nice onto it or maybe some bad stuff. But it's about collaborating. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Like I said, look, there is a lot of writers that are guarded. But if you want to get something made as a writer and you don't want to direct it, learn how to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just one or two more questions. Oh, I'll, let you, I'll, let you, I'll let you no, go. No, you're fine. Out to whatever interview you're doing next. <laughs> I'm actually coming Um So have you any kind of tips? Like the nature of this podcast is you. we would hope that there may be a number of writers, people that are starting out in particular, um, um, are hoping to kind of open a few doors for themselves. What kind of do's and don'ts would you have in terms of getting people to notice you, to read your work, to for, for people to take you seriously, I guess? Are there things that people should do or maybe shouldn't do? Uh, I don't know what the things that shouldn't do. I do know, like, the one thing that really bothers me about a lot of writers, they just don't write. That really irks me. There's a lot of writers I know that they have too much, as far as I can see, they're too much spare time on their hands. Like, if you want to write, write. Like, write constantly. It's it, it's a craft. It really is. Like, you have to write a screenplay and then go, right, I'm going to set it aside and then I'm going to maybe work on something else for a while and come back to that. Like, constantly be writing. It's constantly be sharpening your tools. Read screenplays. That's the, I'm, oh, the it grinds my gears <laughs> that people who want to be writers, it's like being an author and not reading books. Yeah. Or being a mechanic and not liking cars. It's no point to it. Read screenplays. I, I try to read a screenplay at least every month. I just finished reading the, the screenplay for the Irishman. Actually, just what I have a bit of spare time. And I was going, dude, that's really interesting. That's how Steve Zadian writes. And then you, you take a John Michael McDonough script and he writes completely different. Yeah. But everyone's doing the same thing, really. They're just doing it in different ways. Um, and, you know, watch movies. Yeah. Watch movies. Watch what's out there. Uh, constantly be writing. Constantly be writing. Constantly watch movies. Constantly reading. Uh, I suppose the main thing I could give to any writer is like, don't give up for mm-hmm. starters because you never, you know, like, look, look, you know, there's, there's all these Hollywood tales of all these like things like Goodwill Hunting got made because these guys, when they cast the Harvey Weinstein and yada, yada. But look, you never know who's going to, this industry is run on scripts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, without scripts, no films get made. And you never know whose hands your script might fall into. And be bold. Like, you know, if you see, if you know, if you see a producer and you're chatting to them at a bar and they're talking, and you go, look, I have this script. I don't know. You know, actually, don't say I don't know if it's any good. Just go, I have this script. I think there's something in it. Would you be interested in reading it? The, the producer is going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send it to me. Might not read it. But they might read it and go, OK, there's something in here. Or they might just go, nah. But look, some a lot of people say no to a lot of things. and like, People have been turned down for things over years. But uh, the main things I always say to writers is constantly be writing, reading screenplays, watching movies. You know, when you have something you think is, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, don't just sit in your laurels of your first draft. Go over, like, you know, mm-hmm. see if your characters make sense, see if your story makes sense, see if there's any plot holes. You know, do you think it's good? Can it be improved in this scene? Is everything everything working in structure, you know, is a, is a plot, is a story? Just get everything down. And then you have a script. You know what I mean? It's it's not thin air. It's just go out and go, <laughs> I have a script. Uh, and, you know, you never know what comes around the corner. And, you know, pay your dues as well. Like, you you know, I remember Jack Thorne, who's uh, he's a, a very prolific writer. Like he, he's he. I remember he started off writing, um, like, like for the, the London Dungeon. He used to write their little leaflets. So he says, like, I just want to write. And I want to get paid for writing because that that's the biggest thrill in the world. It's just like if you write something, you get paid for it. Whether it's ten quid or a thousand quid or a million quid, you're still getting paid to do what you love. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just don't give up and have passion for it because no point in doing anything without passion. What about kindness? Does kindness play a part in all this? Being kind to yourself and yeah, 
like don't be too hard on yourself like look writing uh, not as, not as it's gonna sound bad but writing is a skill right and, and it, you do <laughs> most writers who i know who are really good have talent for it and they can do this this thing of they write a screenplay somebody reads it, i know how to make this mm. but like it's at the, at the end of the day you know you have to try and if you if you go write this version like I, I know so many directors go or writers who go this version of the script is awful i go well make it better mm-hmm. you know what i mean make it better and keep working on it and don't just don't just stick to the one script for 10 years you know it's yeah. just go over there and do playing another play pen for a while and write something else like because be, you could be writing hard go i want to be a horror writer you write hard for 10 years and they've got a horror made and you write comedy and someone goes jesus you're actually really good at this <laughs> yeah you wasted 10 years you're not not writing comedy scripts yeah you know like look at stephen king like he threw carrie in the bin and his wife pulled out and said work on this this is really good and that was his first book he ever properly sold um i'll ask you one more because i'm enjoying this uh, no it can work well because they're not everyone <laughs> you get two power who um <laughs> uh who influences you in terms of their work oh stephen god king, uh I, I enjoy i I'm, I'm not a massive stephen king book fan i'm a yeah. massive stephen king film fan uh, and that's because I think they, that, that other people obviously have to condense his work and, and uh, you know, write versions of what he wants to say. His books can be, I find, a bit, yeah. Uh, some of them are really, like, his early works are amazing. And it's a bit kind of... Yeah, like, there's a certain point where you're just going, is he even trying anymore? But he is, you know, he's good at what he does. He's Stephen King. He's a brand. In terms of screenwriters, um, I love Aaron Sorkin. I was only watching Molly's Game on TV last night. A very underrated film. Uh, I enjoy his style of the way he writes his screenplays. Uh, you know... Steve's Alien, I love his screenplays. Uh, you know, writers at the moment. I like the guys who do um, James Bond scripts. Uh, Wade, I can't think of the name at the moment. Wade is one, that I think. Uh, but there's loads of writers out there. And I think especially in the day and age that we're in now with kind of the internet and stuff, you can get these scripts. You can read them. Like, it's amazing to read. You can't even read old scripts. You can read Scorsese and Nicholas Pelleggi script for Goodfellas. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I... The works I, I I love everything. I'm a massive film. A friend of mine once called me a film junkie, and he also called me a culture vulture. I'll watch anything. Leo'll tell you the same. Like Leo'll ring me up and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm watching Halloween Tree, Season of the Witch, and the Horror Time." He's like, "Why are you watching that for good?" I don't know. It's it's it's, it's, it's on. And it's, it's Tommy Lee Wallace. And like he's like, "Who's Tommy Lee Wallace?" I'm like, oh, he directed Vampires Los Muertos, and he directed the original miniseries. It like you have to have a love for this, and you have to be. Not just a not a fanboy of it. You don't have to love everything. Like just films I look at and go, they're absolutely terrible. But like, watch it. Watch the terrible ones. Yeah, yeah. Like really watch. Like watch the terrible ones. Read bad scripts and read good scripts and see what the difference is. And well, you don't learn anything from a good movie, right? No, you never learn. You're sucked into the story, so you're not from a filmmaker's point of view. From a technical point of view, yeah, you're not. You don't learn anything from something that's great because it's just zipping by. You know exactly. But it's the same thing as like if you ask any athlete, you learn as much from losing. Yeah. as you do from winning you know what i mean and you learn as much as being in between but like i just i think just yeah um i love everything and that's my problem i actually really do love everything i will watch the world's worst movie and just enjoy it for what it is and then there's movies i was going this is terrible like some movies that people think are absolutely amazing i go they're rubbish and then there's some movies where people go these this is a terrible film i go yeah but look like some people think Tremors is a bad movie. I think Tremors is an amazing romp. Yeah. It's great fun. I think John Carpenter, I was only watching John Carpenter's Vampires. It's an amazing film a lot of people hate. A lot of people hate Oliver Stone's version of Natural Born Critters. I love it. You know what I mean? So it's all about taste. Um, but like I'm influenced by everything. I, I you know, I, I think that's how I write. If I, if it interests story interests me and I think it'll make a good movie, I'll start writing it. So yeah, it's a... 
<laughs> it's a real intriguing one. It's a minefield. Uh, is it important to say you don't know about something? Yes, I think it's it's important any in life. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, I think if you're gonna make a film, I think it's important to, if you don't know about something, find out about it, yeah. research. Um, like I was, I've always wanted to make a film based on there's a uh, there's this dam in Norway that was during World War Two and they really needed to destroy it or the Nazis would have. Uh, you know, basically won the war, and there was this kind of it's called the League of Gently Warfare. They it was like Churchill was directly with them, and I I remember reading that I was like that's really cool, and I was like, oh, but I don't know anything really much about like the ins and outs of all that. So I researched. There's nothing worse than when you're watching a film, and you're like, obviously someone didn't research this because that wasn't around at the time, or <laughs> like isn't it a famous one in? Uh, it's not a famous one. I remember someone hammered home about like in Scorsese's Gangs in New York, they're playing snooker, but snooker wasn't invented then. Yeah, you know, like do it's a little homework. thing, but do your homework. But like. there's dramatic license as well within that, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but not something that as glaring. Look, as that. I, yeah, I know it's just like if you if you it's the suspension of disbelief thing as well, but like the suspension of disbelief only works if what you're seeing actually is believable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I watch Fast and Furious movies. I'm not sitting there going, "Geez, I don't think cars can do that." I just go, "Oh, oh boy, that's fun." Uh, yeah, listen, um, we could go on all, and we probably will after, <laughs> after this stops. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much. Really Oh, I enjoy it. this. I've been, I've been, you know, looking forward to having you on. Oh, anytime, man. And congratulations on the seven if the nominations yeah, yeah. for the film. That must be really gratifying. Yeah, do you know, uh, I was, we were just, I was think, the more I think about it, it's just nice to see a genre, for, and like, it's, it's nice to be nominated for anything. We didn't think we were going to be nominated for something, not that there's a kind of, turning the nose up at genre films, but genre films don't necessarily always get yeah. recognised. And I think it's just, we're just kind of happy for the people. Like, you know, Shauna got nominated. She's amazing. Uh, Lee got nominated for Best Director. Tom got nominated for Best Cinematography. I could go on and all of them, but it's just nice to be recognised. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well deserved, because I know how hard you've worked on it. I haven't chatted to Lee as well. Um, continued success. Oh, thank you. Come back on down the line. Let us oh, anytime. Thanks anytime. No Thank you.